Choco Buddy. Yes, sir. Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Yo, how are you? Very happy to be here. It's fucking crack of the nuts, crack of dawn, crack of the back ass sweat, crack of the asshole sweat. It's fucking, uh, you know, uh, 4.06 a.m. on this February morning. Birds are singing your praise. As I lay thee down to sleep, this I pray that you will call me dear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like fucking 4.06 a.m. On this February morning, birds are singing your praise. Do you remember that song? Uh, hold on. That's a little stuffy up in this motherfucker. Taking my, taking my hoodie off. Now, now, now you fucking know what's up. Taking this fucking hoodie off. And uh, now I'm a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, so um, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. I am an actor extraordinaire, eh, you know. I've been plodding around uh, in Toronto, Canada for the last uh, few years. I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, I started acting as a teenager. Yeah, I was a geek. I was all into like, you know, films and stuff, man. I just got right into them. I used to go to this video store down the block from my house. And I just rent like movies for like that. That's when like DVDs were switching over to. Sorry, that's sorry. That's when VHS was switching over to. DVD. So everybody was changing over from VHS to DVD. It was like, you know, 2001. And, uh, you know, I was in fucking high school. And I could like rent uh, just all the classic movies for like a dollar. Dollar a pop. And I just rent all these fucking movies like, you know, uh, fucking Godfather, Apocalypse Now, Raging Bull, Pulp Fiction, you know, Jackie Brown, On the Waterfront, Streetcar Named Desire, The Bridges of Madison County. You know, I'd watch Meryl Streep, you know. <laughs> Whatever, man. I would just, like, check out things to, like, get inspired as an actor. And then I just kind of pursued it. Did it uh, as a theater geek way thing in high school. Then I went on to college where I studied it intensively, intensely. And I got a diploma in theater arts, and then, you know, I've been puttering around as a, you know, <clears throat> washed up hack, trying to make it in the acting game since, uh, you know, God knows when. <laughs> well, you know, last, uh, uh, I guess I got out of theater school in 2006. But, you know, if you're also new to the podcast, I am an alcoholic. <gasps> so that, that factors in, you know, uh, I was drunk and, you know, disorderly unfocused in my youth, and I am still youthful, I'm 32 years old, but, um, you know, in my 20s, in my uh, true youth, like uh, late teens and 20s, yeah, I was just drinking a lot, and thank God, I was thinking about this the other day, thank God it was productive, but it wasn't 
Thank God it was. Thank God I was productive. Um, I didn't, you know, come out the other side of my youth with, um, you know, exactly where I wanted to be. I thought I'd be further ahead of my career and shit like that. But then again, I didn't come out damaged. You know, I'm healthy. I didn't burn my life down. You know, I had a couple fucking roadblocks, a couple hiccups. <laughs> but like, yo, like, I'm here to fight another day. Hallelujah. If you're new to the podcast as well, I am a temporary laborer. That's right. I'll do anything that makes the sound of a buck. Ka-ching! Don't give a blood clot fuck. I'll wash a floor, buff a hallway, shovel snow, change your baby's diaper, take your dog for a walk, fuck your wife. <clears throat> yeah, I'll do that for free. But yo, that's what I'm saying. Temporary laborer. Hallelujah, baby. You gotta go make that buku buku, baby. Couple dollars in the bank, pay the bills. Who gives a blood clot fuck? Hallelujah. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Hilarious as a motherfucker, cute as a button, you know, funny as a fucking, um, you know, a dog's ball sack in winter. I'm hilarious. I don't know, whatever, I don't know, I think so. And, uh, yeah, so that's what it is, man. Welcome to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Thank you for listening. So, yo, if you're new, um, I keep saying that, if, uh, if you're not new and you're returning then you would know. The previous week, our righteous Mike, the stand-up comedy show that I'm producing here in Toronto, was up on its legs. First show. Hallelujah. Blessed. Um, it went over great. You know, it truly did. I had a lot of great comics come out. Uh, just some local cats. Here we go. Uh, Luke Lindale, Chris Bonaparte, uh, Liam Kelly, Gare Joyce, Chris Siddiqui. Those are some local hot ones in Toronto. And uh, yeah, they were fucking hilarious. They helped me out. They, make, they made the show a success. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm just thankful that it happened. And I'm thankful that it turned out well. Thank you. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think I saw many podcast... Uh, I don't think there was any podcast listeners out there. But thank you anyways, because... Um, through this podcast, it's given me that charge, that drive to uh, get out there and do the show. And um, yeah, thanks to who was ever, the, or for the people who came, a couple buddies of mine came out too. Darren, a nice Irishman, a nice Irish friend of mine, he came out and showed his colors, <laughs> showed his red colors. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just a blessed evening. Um, but, <clears throat> but in typical comedic fashion, I got some complaints, a couple grievances. And it's like, I was thinking about it because, you know, the show turned out great. You know, it was, it was run pretty well, though there were some hiccups. Like, and I was thinking about it because I'm like, you know, you hear people say, like, sometimes, like the Rolling Stones say, like, sometimes you can't always get what you want, but sometimes... You get what you need. And uh, I remember hearing that and thinking that, yeah, that's a good lyric. And I also heard that reinforced on other podcasts like um, The Church of What's Happening Now, Joey Diaz, Leah Syatt. That's kind of something he says. Some Dog, I'm telling you, you know, sometimes you can't always get what you want. But you know, dog, sometimes 
You get what you need. I felt terrible. Go check that podcast out if you ever get a chance. It's a it's probably one of the most popular ones out there right now. It's kind of um kind of in that whole like uh, Joe Rogan experience camp. The Church of What's Happening Now with Joey Diaz and Lee Syatt. Dog, I'm telling you, sometimes you can't get what you you what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. Dog, I'm telling you, I felt terrible. Yeah, he's uh he's this comedian. Cuban-American comedian Joey Diaz, but um, that's where I first heard that phrase. And not where I first heard the phrase, but kind of where I heard it reinforced in an important time in my life. So it's like, that's kind of what happened with this, this mic, because, you know, like, let me tell you about it. So I get to the gig at like 6.30, right? I'm there, and I'm in a good mood, freshly washed, freshly shaved, fucking got my PA system, my public address system, uh, ready to set up, you know, I got my mic stand, I got my wireless microphone, you know, I got a fucking plaid shirt on, you know, I'm feeling really in the zone to like get go. actually that's not even really true, I was kind of scatterbrained, I was washing floors like a janitor all fucking day, right, so, you know, I was kind of, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of felt it all day, to be honest with you. I was kind of like, oh, because, you know, it's a fucking, I'm like, what part of what I'm realizing is I'm feeling the fucking small business man or woman, the small business crunch, crunch, the small business crunch. Because it's like, yo, like, I'm being pulled in so many different directions, which is great. It's like, I'm in it for real. I'm in the game for real. So it's like, there's so many things. It's like, you know, you got to get the poster designed. You got to get the posters put up. You got to get the 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 online media stuff sorted out. You got to put out ads on different blogs. You got to promote the show. You got to book the comedians. You got to you got to go and uh, you know prepare your material. Material you're hosting the show, right? So like, there's so many little ins and outs, right? So. Plus, you got to live your daily life, right? Whatever your deal is as a comic, right? Like for me, I'm a single guy and I work full time pretty much, full time hours until, you know, this thing pops off for real. So there I am. I'm fucking like, you know, working, trying to get the show produced, you know, so I was kind of in a fucking tailspin in my head anyways, right? So like I was feeling it, right? Because, you know, it's not like your typical when you're hosting a show, producing a show. It's not like your typical stand-up comedy set. When you're a stand-up comedy, you know, gun for hire, you know, on the lamb, you just drop in bombs and then you're out the door. You're not, you know, you walk on stage, fuck this room, fuck everybody. I mean, that's not really my energy. Well, <laughs> that is kind of my energy, but it's, it's more like, you know, I'm doing my thing. This is how it is, and uh, I hope you like it. Whereas when you're hosting... You got to be a little bit more gracious. You got to think about all the little ins and outs. You know, you got to think about, you know, like hosting a party. The difference between, yeah, think about it this way. It's the difference between hosting a party or going to a party. Hosting a party is fun, but it's a lot of responsibility. Hosting a show is fun, but it's a lot of responsibility. So I was kind of in that headspace. And um, so I'm at the venue. I'm, I'm there an hour and a half early before the show to set up. So I'm setting my shit up, right? And all of a sudden, I hear this guy, right? He's like, you know, you're like my only friend, yo. Like, 
You're like my only friend, and nobody likes me anymore. You're just like my only friend. You know, did you know you're my only friend? I'm not going anywhere, you know? Did you know energy, energy uh, doesn't uh, disappear? It just, energy is like continuous. It's like on a continuum. Like, you never disappear. Your energy's always there. I'm like, oh my God, just what I was anticipating might happen. A drunken rowdier, a drunken reveler. Nobody's in the bar. The one person that's got to be in the bar while I'm setting up before the show is a drunken reveler, which is, you know, soon to be turned into a drunken heckler. He comes up to me. Oh, I didn't know they're doing a comedy show here. I didn't know they're doing comedy tonight. So you think you're funny, huh? I'm not even... I barely got my fucking scarf off. I just stepped through the fucking door. I'm setting up the fucking microphone. I'm like, oh my God. I'm getting heckled an hour and a half before the fucking show. I'm like, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm funny. Sure. Oh, okay, huh? You know, you think you're funny, huh? I didn't know they do a comedy show here, yo. Uh, 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 you eat rice and beans? Was that a joke? Was that an insult? What What the fuck? What the fuck? Do I eat rice and beans? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, the poor man's diet. Ha ha ha. I turned my back on him. So now I'm setting the show up, right? I'm thinking to myself, yo, this is karma at work. I believe in karma. And I was kind of anticipating, like, what, what, would, what were the possible... This wasn't my first rodeo, you know? Like, I've hosted shows. I've been doing stand-up comedy for a while. Sure, I'm a burnt-out, washed-up hack, but it doesn't mean I don't have experience, right? So, like, while I was getting prepared for the show, I was thinking, like, what are the possible things that could go wrong with the show? And I'm like, well... A drunken heckler, a heckler, an aggressive heckler. And I'm like, wow, you know, that would be some fucking karma. Because, um, you know, you know, like I mentioned, I'm an alcoholic. Two years, two months of sobriety. Actually, two, two years and three months of sobriety within a couple days here. So, you know, I've been doing the Lord's work, keeping myself healthy and sober. And I believe in karma because... Um, you know, I've just experienced it in my life. I mean, I remember one time when I was a 15-year-old kid. Don't judge me for this, or you can. Uh, I was a 15-year-old kid, and I was sitting on the bus, and there was this girl, she was around my age, and she was giving me stink eye and acting all kind of wutsy-wutsy. I don't know. I was just getting a vibe off of her. I was getting a very defensive vibe. I was feeling, I was feeling like I was being, I was feeling prejudiced. As a black man, I was just getting a very prejudiced kind of vibe off of her. I don't know what it was. That's just the feeling I got. And that's just purely in my own head. But that's the vibe I was getting. And, I don't, and it's not like I called that, it's not like I got that vibe that often. I grew up in a very white uh, Edmonton, Alberta city. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel particularly, I didn't feel prejudiced growing up like, like, indiscriminate prejudice all the time, right? It's not like I was like, I had some chip on my shoulder about prejudice. 
prejudice. But I was just getting this vibe off this, this, this chick. And as she was walking by me to get off the bus, my feet were kind of like sticking out a bit. And I don't know, she, she kind of, she, I don't know, it, she kind of stepped over me on my feet. I don't know what it, I don't want to say I tripped her. <laughs> but I will say she tripped over my feet. Like she didn't fall, but like, it was kind of like up to her to move. It was, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like, she could have moved. I could have moved, and I chose not to move, so she kind of stumbled over my feet. And it was sort of intentional, because I knew she was going to trip if I didn't move. So, you know, it's kind of pathetic, but that's what it was, right? And, and I remember that was always on my head, like, yo, like, that was kind of, like, even though she was being kind of a bitch, like, what the fuck, like, I could have just moved my feet, that way she wouldn't have tripped on them. Luckily, she wasn't hurt, but I, I always kind of felt like that was kind of cowardly on my part, and I'm like, I have a feeling that's just going to come back to me some point in life. Well, flash forward to, like, you know, I don't know, that was probably like 10 years later or something like that, um, 12 years later. I'm drunk at a bar, and um, I was paying cash for my drinks all night. The last drink of the night comes. I'm broke. Like, oh, shit, like, I can't pay this bar. Oh, shit, I can't pay for this drink. But, yo, let me leave my, uh, let me leave my, my ID. And, whoa, whoa, the fucking bouncer grabs me. Fucking grabs me, drags me out of the fucking bar, and fucking throws me on the fucking curb. <laughs> fucking throws me on the fucking pavement. I bang my fucking elbow. Just manhandles me over a fucking one drink. Over, like, a $15 bar tab. Just fucking manhandles me. And I remember waking up in the morning thinking, like, yo, like, that's karma. Can't prove it, but that's how I felt. I'm like, that, that was kind of, because that was the one kind of bully, physical, cowardly thing I'd done in my life. And, you know, it caught up on my ass. Same thing happened with me, uh, with this fucking, yo, you eat rice and beans? <laughs> this fucking idiot at the show, like, in my drinking days, there was this time when, uh, this was like a couple years ago, like, I don't know, maybe four, it was like, that, like more like six years ago. It was a while ago, actually, so, you know, hallelujah, I'm changing. But, um, you know, I'm a performer, and this is like code red, like, this is not what you do as a performer. I'm at a show, I'm at a venue, it's like a music night, and there's a band on stage, and... They're just playing their songs. They're just whatever. Their fans are there. Their friends are there. They're just some, like some independent band. And I'm at the back of the room and I'm screaming, You suck! Fuck you! You suck! And I'm just screaming, You suck! at these fucking band, at this band, just screaming it. And I remember this girl, there's like one girl at the show, she's like, Stop it! Why are you doing that? Stop it! I'm like, you suck. And I even got into the bar for free. I didn't even pay cover. That's how ignorant I was. And I remember waking up the next day just thinking to myself, like, yo, like, that's code red. That's a no-no. Like, as a, as a performer, man, like, you don't heckle another performer. Like, that's just, what the fuck was I doing? Like, that was just so pathetic. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, that's going to probably get me. I'm going to, that's going to come back to me. So here we are, karma, man, because, like, you know, it was the first show, Our Righteous Mike. It was very important, right, you know? 
If you've been listening to the podcast the last, uh, you know, last 60 some episodes, I've been working up to this, working up to get my comedy back on track and myself back on track, right? And, you know, fuck it, I'm not even one, I'm not even 10 seconds into the door. I'm not even a minute into the door uh, the night of the show and, oh, yo, 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 you think you're funny or something, huh? Huh? You're a fucking comedian or something, huh? Like, I was there for like a minute. I was like, oh my God. So I start setting up the mic and everything, and this fucking idiot, you know, yo, you're like, this, this guy, he's like black as well, right? He's kind of a light-skinned brother. You know, uh, he kind of looked like Drake, but, you know, I would have called him Flake, you know? Just this real fucking scroungy, scrubby, fucking snaggletooth, fucking dirty, smelly, fucking, you know, fucking, I don't know, just a, just a hood rat. And he's just like... <laughs> Yo, so, um, you know, you, I got, you think you're funny, huh? How about, you look at you, you're black as midnight, huh? You know, and, uh, you know, what are you going to say about that? I'm like, okay, well, I don't know, you're a snaggletooth fuck, you're a loser, you're a deadbeat father, you're pathetic, uh, you're probably a welfare recipient, like, I don't know, like, what do you want me to get into with you? Like, I don't know, you're a pathetic fucking ragamuffin, like, why don't you just drop dead and die? Like, I insulted him for like a half hour straight, just going off, like going back on him with insults. And he was so drunk, he just kept forgetting them. He goes, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, you got a red lumberjack shirt on. I'm like, you're right, I do have a red lumberjack shirt on, you fucking idiot. I'm about to take it off right now and strangle you with it. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we, I don't know, he's heckling me. Uh, the show hasn't even started. The show wasn't even going to start for another hour, so I'm like setting up the microphone, getting heckled by this fucking drunk. Finally, the show starts. And it's more or less the same. Yo, uh, you know, uh, you think you're funny or something? You're black as midnight. He's just like fucking calling shit at me from the back of the room. And you know what? I don't want to relive it. It's too traumatic, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's not much that I grumble about with comedy. It's something I chose to do. I love doing it. And, you know, all I can say is that, yeah, those moments truly suck. <laughs> because then, you know, it's not a part of the show. You're, you're battling for... You're, you're, you're taking on an extra obstacle. It's already an obstacle to perform your material and be funny. Now you got the obstacle of dealing with a heckler. And also, as a showrunner, well, I shouldn't say showrunner, as a show producer, producing that show as the MC, the host, I can't go nuclear on him. I can't just go boom and just start hitting him with the insults like I was doing an hour before the show when he was heckling me. You know, I couldn't insult him like I was off stage, because you know what? I'm the one setting the vibe. I'm the one who's there to smooth things over. I'm the host. It's like hosting a party. What if a host started freaking out and being ingracious? Then you would feel unwelcome at the event. So as the host, I had to make people feel welcome and calm. So I kept on trying to calm this guy down. And that's the thing too with a drunken heckler. At some point, at some point, it's just, it's beyond your power because they're just going to say shit anyways. That's the, that's the problem too with a heckler sometimes. It's not even that they're going back and forth interrupting. It's just that they're pure ignorant. It's just like, it's not computing with him. It's like, yo, everybody's here to watch a show. 
You're the only one in the room off the fucking schedule. So the blessing is that I just kind of recognized that, yo, this is just the karma debt that I had to pay. You know, like an important first show for me. And um, it's starting off with this fucking bullshit. So, yo, I just dealt with it. And there was a lot of humility that came through it. Because, um, you know, I kept getting the audience back and I kept losing the audience. Kept getting the audience back, kept losing the audience because of this heckler. You know, I'd start my material, I'd go into my material, things are going good. Then all of a sudden, yo, uh, do you eat rice and beans? Then there's there's this awkward pause and then I have to address the situation and try to calm everybody down and blah, blah, blah. So it was just like up and down, up and down, like pushing water uphill for like 20 minutes, right? Off the top of the show, right? And finally, I'm just like, yo, like, uh, all right, guys, you guys ready to get the show started for real? Uh, Let's get a real comic up here. Let's get somebody up here to save this fucking show, all right? Let's get up uh, first comic coming up to the stage, Chris Bonaparte. And Chris Bonaparte is a local comic in Toronto here. And yeah, he came up and did a great job. Fucking killer job. He came up here, rocked it, you know, real, uh, real edgy, uh, thought out, precise, timed comedy. He just fucking dropped it like it was hot. And it's, it, it kind of got everybody back into the show mode. And then everything was good after that. And that's the humility. And I even said it after, you know, just yeah, to show you how humble I am. I even said it to the audience how humble I was. And I said, yo, like, thank you, Chris, for, you know, I said, yeah, give it up for Chris Bonaparte. Another great set or a great set. Uh, yeah, sometimes you just need that humility. It brought me, you know, it, it brought me to reality in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know if this is not so much for the audience to know. They, I didn't really go into this with the audience. But it brought me to a, like, you know, this is just me thinking. It, it was humble. It was humbling because it's like, it goes back to that. You don't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. Because I wanted to start the show off killer. It's the first show. I want to go up there, kill it, rock it, bring up the next comics. And I want to, you know, I felt like there was a lot riding on it for me personally. But you know what? I got into a little battle. I got into a scrape. And I had to show humility because, like I said, as a, when you're a host, you have to think about the vibe of the room. You don't always have to. There's nothing that you have to do. But one thing that will happen is if you're hosting and you lose control of the room, then the show goes to shit. So, like, I don't want to say you have to or have not to do anything. But if you're hosting a show and you lose control of the room, it goes to shit. So if I was to engage with this heckler... Tensely, angrily, negatively, the show would have suffered. And I couldn't have addressed him the way I wanted to. Like, if I was a comic and somebody was doing that to me, I would just rip their asshole apart, right? I just, I'd insult them, I'd be ignorant, I would, I'd do anything, anything to save face. You know what I mean? But at that moment, I had to be kind of humble and try to, uh, try to do what was best for the show. And in doing so, the show was better. You know what I mean? It saved the vibe of the room because it was a very small, intimate room. It could have got awkward very quickly if I blew up and, yo, fuck you, man. What are you calling this? Like, you know, get in, get, really get into it with this fucking heckler. 
Like, because he was an aggressive heckler, man. He was just blah, 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 blah. Even when I stepped off stage to go and, like, uh, you know, I'm standing there kind of, like, to the side of the bar uh, while there was another comic on stage. This fool comes up to me. He's like, yo, your joke there was funny. Uh, he was, like, trying to, I don't know. He was trying to compliment. I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Now he's trying to compliment me. Now he wants to be my buddy. And he's like, yo, you're funny, bro. He's, like, talking at me and shit, right? I just put my hand up and I fucking pushed him. I was, get the fuck out of my face. I pushed him backwards, bro. He's just like, oh, it's dirt, it's dirt. And <laughs> I just had to show humility. Humility to not blow up, not lose my cool. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have gone up there and killed, killed, killed. But, um, you know, uh, but the audience saw. That's another thing. The audience saw. They, they saw that I got shook. And that's what I mean about the humility. Because it's like, you know, I won them back. The audience forgave me, but they didn't forget. They forgived, but they didn't forget. You know, like they saw, like, yo, like, they saw, like, okay, yeah, he's funny. But he sh- that guy shook you. They saw that I got shook. I did. Because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Part of the problem, too, was the heckler was friends of the bar owner. So the bar owner knows this guy and the bar owner's there and not saying a word. She's just like watching this fool like interrupt the show and she's not saying anything. So I'm like, hmm, like I don't have the authority to, that's another thing that I'm, I'm trying to work on with my, just with my life is like, I'm trying not to impose. So it's not up to me to just, like, it's not my, I don't own the bar I don't work there. This is this is the first show. We're trying to do it right. And I don't want to start, like, I can't start overstepping my bounds. Like, what am I supposed to do? Just start throwing customers out if I don't like, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of looking at the bar owner, just like, yo, are you going to deal with this fucking guy? He's just standing there talking throughout the whole fucking show. <laughs> but, um, yeah. After the first comic got on, it was blessed. And, yo, it was truly a good show. We had some strong comics, like I said. Luke Lindale, Chris Bonaparte, Gare Joyce, Liam Kelly, Chris Siddiqui from Toronto. They got up there and uh, they delivered a great show. The, the crowd loved them. And, you know, the crowd were good to me. They, you know, they they forgave, but they didn't forget. <laughs> I got like an E for effort, I believe. Like, I did good. I got laughs. Uh, I feel like I did my job good, but they didn't forget. They saw that I got shook. They forgived, but they, they couldn't forget. They saw I, I got shook a little. But after the show, the comics were like, you know, one of the comics, he, uh, Liam Kelly, he's a local grinder out here in Toronto. He said, um, you know, you dealt with that heckler really well. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, I really did. And I, th- I thanked him, and I was like, oh, thanks, man. Because, like, you know, had I gone nuclear, had I just fucking fed into the fucking bullshit and just banged it out with him arguing, it would have just derailed the show. So I had to take a big slice of humble pie. It didn't feel good. It wasn't my style. I would have liked to have just chewed his ass out, but it wouldn't have served the show. And the main thing, we're renewed that's right our righteous mic going forward every every thursday night starting february 21st every thursday night 8 p.m 
Alice's Place, 554 Parliament Street, Cabbage Town, Toronto, Canada. Our Righteous Mike, at Our Righteous Mike on Facebook. Check us out. We're going to be going hard. We're going deep, motherfucker, deep. And, uh, yeah, you don't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like, that's what I'm feeling off the cuff of this show, off the crest of this show. There's like, like I got everything I need. I got, I had that great humbling experience of like, okay, you're back at hosting a show. This is totally different than doing stand-up comedy. I got the experience of dealing with a difficult situation in my craft. You know what I mean? It's not easy dealing with a fucking belligerent heckler when you're hosting. So right off the gate, I got this great experience of, of um, you know, testing just my skills, my level, see what the fuck's up with me. So it was good to get tested. The show got renewed. And I know that I'm feeling a little bit of, um, you know, it's a little bit of a sting to the ego because, like I said, I wanted it to go my way. It didn't go my way, but it went well enough. It went well enough that the show got carried forward. And right now, I have to admit, I'm feeling a little bit of that, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the, the businessman crunch, the businessman or woman crunch. Because it's just like, yo, like I've been pulled apart in so many different fucking directions at the moment. But, uh, you know, all's well that ends well, baby. Hallelujah. Our Righteous Mike. Every Thursday, Toronto, Canada. Events, information, listing, blah, 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 dildo. That shit's all online on the website. You can find it. Hit us up. Come out and see us. We'd love to have you. So what? Do you eat rice and beans? Fucking idiot. Yes, so like, uh, yeah, and I'm also working. Back to work right now. Um, yeah. Again, like, I think that's just the whole vibe of this last week is just, like, the humility and just being grateful because it's, like, I'm getting everything that I need. But it's, like, the gratitude is, like, uh, it's that's not really there. Because, you know, sometimes what you need isn't so appealing, Right? You want what you want. <laughs> what I want is a job where I can go to, enjoy my day 100%, have it 100% my way, go home. You know, it's like, well, no. Sometimes you got to go to a job that, you know, you got to give a little to get a little. And, you know, and, and it's good for now. And it, and it fulfills the needs. And there are good things and bad things. So that's, ex- that's kind of what I'm experiencing with my job right now, too, is just some of that work-in-person blues, right? Like fuck when you're out there grinding it sometimes you just you know it's a little hmm. i'm working as a janitor like i mentioned uh, you know toilets urinals you know tampons washing floors shit like that uh yeah working as a janitor changing garbages working as a janitor and it's like i don't know it's just getting redundant it's getting stupid every day there's a different task Jonathan, we need you to mop this up. Jonathan, we need you to scrape that up. Sweep that up. Over here, Jonathan. Jonathan here. Jonathan there. It's like all this useless information every day. It's like imagine having to learn a new useless piece of information every fucking day. 
It's like that. It's like another, another, another new useless piece of information for you to learn. Another new useless piece of information for you to learn. Here's some more useless information. Useless information. Useless information. It's just like clogging my fucking head. It's like you gotta make sure that when you're sweeping this, you got you gotta, gotta make sure when you're washing that, and you gotta make sure. Okay, over here when you're dusting this, it's like yo, this is all just useless information. Can't you just give me one task? Can't you just give me a set of tasks? Like why the like it just changes every fucking day, and to be honest, I don't question it. I just kind of went down there, in the moment of uh, speaking, but I don't question it. It's like it's obvious. It's a big facility that I work at. There's a lot of things that need to get done. The tasks change, so I get that. I don't question that. I don't complain about that. It's just, I don't know. It's just kind of bothersome sometimes. <laughs> it's just too much. Um, we got this new kid. Oh my God. Well, I shouldn't even say kid. He's like 30 years old, but, uh, he's on the spectrum. And, uh, I don't know. He's very willful. Like he's very, I mean, like he's sharp. You could tell that he, he, he has, he, he has knowledge in certain things and he's sharp, but he's also very willful and he has some social interaction problems not even want to call them problems but you know he's not he's socially he's a little socially awkward sorry the chair is squeaking here he's a he's a little socially awkward like for example i was supposed to be training him this last couple training him that's isn't that hilarious i'm training janitors too by the way (laughs) see i got a lot of shit on my plate man i'm training people how to be a janitor i'm producing shows i'm taking acting classes i'm i'm staying sober (sighs) but you know you get what you need. Can't always get what you want. But anyways, there I am. I'm training janitors. And, uh, you know, it's our, it's our training day. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know you liked to get wet. PCP. King Kong ain't got shit on me. So anyways, I'm training this idiot. Training day. Uh, and uh, I, I meet up with him, right? Uh, so I'm like 50. I'm late for work. Whatever. Who cares, right? <laughs> But then again, everybody's late for work there, right? Everybody's late. So it's like, monkey see, monkey do. I was like a young whippersnapper when I first started there, like a couple weeks ago, like, you know, like about a month ago. I was a young whippersnapper. I was all eager beaver. And now I'm just going with the flow, man. Like, yo, people show up late. I show up late. Whatever, right? So um, <laughs> just going with the flow around there, trying to keep my sanity. So anyways, I show up a little late on Monday for our training session with this, uh, you know, this this young man who's on the spectrum. So I walk through the door and he goes, um, you're late. I was like, what the fuck do you say? That's what I'm thinking, right? I'm like, what? You're late. I'm like, yeah, I am late. What do you think of that? He goes, ah, 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 ah. He sounds like a fucking whooping crane. It's like, yeah, I am late. What do you think of that? Well, they might not like it if you don't have perf- perfect attendance. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. So, like, still, I'm like a temp. If this sounds mean, <laughs> if this sounds mean, me, uh, you know, like being frustrated having to deal with a, you know, a person with special needs, I'm a temporary worker. This isn't my responsibility. I guess this is my responsibility as a human being now it's like now you're now you're tugging on my heartstrings 
it's like now I got to show my humanity, but it's not really fair because it's like you're dumping me with a problem that's not mine to fix. I'm a temporary worker. I have no clout or stake in this fucking endeavor. Yet I'm training your employees, your employees with special needs. <laughs> so anyways, I'm like training this guy how to be a janitor. <laughs> and like I said, he's he's sharp, he's smart, he's got a lot of info in his head, but like he's very willful. So he's just, I'm going to do it this way. What, what do you mean you're going to do it that way? There's only one way to do it. Just sweep the fucking thing up. Well, no, uh, 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 well, uh, you know, I'm going to do it my way and blah, 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 blah. So, like, finally, I'm just like, yo, like, after a week, after a day of, like, giving him, you know, instruction and him not taking it, I just kind of let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of what's going on at work. Uh, there's this new guy, uh. I don't know. It really makes you question because like to if I was to like for example, he's on the spectrum. I respect his intelligence. Though sometimes I believe you can't indulge 100% people with certain special needs because it sets a like they're respect their intelligence. They they have intelligence. They know a certain way of working and being that gets them through life. So it's like, like I said, he's very willful and he does what he wants. He doesn't take instruction. I see that as more like his own personality rather than his uh, condition or his, uh, you know, spectrum needs. It's more like he's just a little asshole. <laughs> he's like a little prick, right? Like he, he truly has an unlikable personality. Everybody that like encounters him is just like, what? He's just like rude and obnoxious and like I'm doing it my way. This is what I'm doing. Uh, okay, I'm over here. I'm. It's just like, he's just unlikable. <laughs> and uh, whatever, I don't feel bad about that in the least. But uh, hey, yo, like, I've been trying to show some temperance with the man. Actually, to be honest with you, I don't even have to deal with him anymore. <laughs> I, tried to ter I, tried, I tried training him for like one day, and then like, uh, now the boss is back from vacation or whatever. So whatever, he's somebody else's problem now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, then some fucking lady at the front desk, uh, she was, like, uh, griping about some bullshit and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, she she was, like, trying to bully me into, like, uh, like, basically when you're doing janitorial services at the facility that I work at, any requests that they have are supposed to be handled, uh through facilities like let's say somebody in the building has a request for janitor services they got to put it through the building it's got to go through a proper channel right well there's this lady at the front desk who whenever she would see me oh do you mind uh washing this or do you mind sweeping this and blah blah blah, blah, blah like all these little requests well i'm on a schedule and number one, she's not even my coworker. She's nobody to me. She's just somebody in the building, right? Like, I have my coworkers. I have my supervisor. I have my schedule. Like, you people can't just approach me with little tasks and orders, right? So I was cool with her. The first couple times, I was like, okay, miss, but you need to understand uh, I'm a temporary laborer. I don't, I don't actually even work at this building. I'm here as a temporary laborer. And as far as I know, any janitorial uh, service requests need to go through 
the proper channels. You have to request it through facilities, blah, 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 yada, yada. Well, she kept doing it. Yeah, okay, do you mind over here? Blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, right? So then the creme de la creme, uh, uh, when, last week, was it last week? Yeah, like last Friday or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm standing in line. Like, uh, it's a high security building, right? There's a lot of security procedures, blah, blah, blah. So you have to sign in in the morning. You have to show your identification, get a badge, sign in. It's a bit of a procedure. Well, everybody has to stand in line, take their turn to, to sign in. Well, this woman comes out of nowhere and, and walks in front of me in the lineup, butts in front of me in the lineup. Where I'm like, that's it. That's fucking it. And uh, I went to my supervisor. Uh, she's a very nice lady, my supervisor. And I told her, I was like, yo, I'm having a problem. I got to report this. So, um, you know, I went and I tattletailed on this idiot at the front desk and, uh, you know, water off a duck's ass. It's been resolved, you know. That's how simple it can be to resolve your problems sometimes, you know, like just clear communication. I was clear with this lady how like, look, this is what I am. I'm a temporary laborer. If you have any requests for um, janitorial services, please put them through the proper channels. She didn't respect that. Then she tried to do bully tactics with me, walking in front of me in, in the lineup. She didn't respect that. Okay, so now I understand she's not listening. So what I do is I just take it to the next level. I go to the supervisor. Now we're going to get the authorities involved. So like, oh, that's just like, uh, I don't know. Like That's just like the gratitude I have now that I'm sober and I can think straight. Back in the day, I might, like I said, with that heckler, with that stupid woman at the front desk, I would engage in argument. I would engage. I would waste my breath and try to explain myself and argue. And What's the point? What you need to do is address it logically and definitively. Like, okay, you don't want to listen to me? Then I'm going to go above you. I'm going to go to your boss and let them know that what you're doing is... Uh, I didn't go to her boss. I just put in a... I put in a little complaint form or whatever the fuck, filed a tax form. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, as you could tell, like, um, I'm really, uh, really thinking about these things, really thinking about getting what I want versus getting what I need. You know, sometimes you can't get what you want, but you can get what you need. And uh, that's what I mean. Like all these stupid little hiccups at the job. I mean, turns out it's actually a decent job. This is a job that can sustain me in this interim period in my performing life. And it's a job that's actually worthwhile to attend. Like a lot of times uh, I've come through all these little random gigs as a temporary laborer. And this is actually one that I can continue for a while. And it's actually worth my commitment while I'm, you know, working at my performing. So, the, but the ingratitude I have, <laughs> where it's just like, yo, like, I'm just, I'm getting fed up, uh, but, you know, whatever, man, it's like water off a duck's ass, it's just got to be what it is, quack, uh, what else can I tell you before I get out of here, um, oh, yeah, you know, uh, 
yeah, I've been working. Oh, yeah, the working out. Uh, uh, like I said, I've been kind of like so busy with, uh, you know, trying to get going with uh, producing shows, acting classes, the podcast, work. That like, you know, like my hobbies have been suffering, right? Like I love working. I shouldn't even call it a hobby, but it's more like a lifestyle choices. Like I love working out. I love playing bass guitar. But those two have just been suffering so much lately because I've been so busy. Like, I just don't have, like, I come home from a day of work. I'm literally, as soon as I get through the door, I, I relax for a little bit. And then, like, um, like for example, yesterday, I've been trying to get a freelance or trying to find a graphic designer to, 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 um, to, uh, to uh, what do you call it? Do some shit, like make up a fucking poster for me, right? <laughs> So I was trying to find a graphic designer yesterday and, you know, that was a bit of a headache. Not really a headache, but like it took time, time and effort. So that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm feeling that working man, working person crunch. Like I'm just like, oh. So when I come home from a day of work, it's just like, yo, I don't, I don't really have the energy to or the desire to work out or play bass guitar. Even though it's like I've been getting some good results from my playing lately and I've been having fun with it. I just like zonked man so i don't know just looking to charge myself back up man fuck it what the hell you know see what i mean like this is like fucking five o'clock and 4 54 in the morning and i'm up doing this right before i go to work man like i'm a fucking working man i, I can't tell you motherfuckers how hard i work <laughs> and it's like i don't know i'm just starting to finally feel the crunch of it but it's like more more or less i should just feel the gratitude for it right so that's where I am with the hobbies, uh, the working out and the bass playing. I just got to step it up a notch. Stop taking fucking, um, stop making excuses why. Just do it. Just find that energy within me. Just pull that shit out and go out there and do it. Um, so yeah, all in time. Um, I read this article on uh, boozing. I'm going to save this article for the next episode. This is a whole t entirely different discussion, and it's going to take a moment. Uh, the, the article is basically about, um, it's a different tactic for sobriety. It's like a different tactic that people use to moderate their drinking. I think it's a little interesting article. It sheds a light on problem drinkers, binge drinkers, alcoholics. And I think it's an interesting little discussion. So I'm going to save that for the next episode. Keep tuned in. Keep tuned in for that. And also, as also, as always, um, as a tradition here, actually, uh, after one year of uh, podcasting, it's Black History Month. Yes. And uh, yeah, I talk about that a lot on the podcast. Last month, last last year on Jonathan Rampton on the podcast, I had mentioned things from time to time. And uh, one thing I want to know mention here is like, um, you know, I'll get deeper into it on the next episode, but uh, interracial dating. There's something going on with advertising that's depicting the black woman and the white man. They're really pushing for this fucking white man and black woman couple bullshit. And, yo, I'm not even going to be cute about it. It's bullshit. They've been pushing it hard, and monkey see, monkey do. You start looking around, and people, yeah, you know, you see some black chick with some fucking white savior. And you know what that is saying? 
You know why that's problematic? Because it's not reciprocated. It's not reciprocated. You don't see the, some fucking black guy, you know, arm around some white chick. Oh, 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 oh yuck, yuck, I'm fucking your daughter. Like, you, you, don't, you don't see that. It's always some fucking white guy, some geeky looking white guy with some hot black chick. You never see the flip side. You never see some brother with his, like, you know, arms draped around some fucking, you know, strawberry fucking blonde chick, you know. You never see that. And it's in the advertising heavy. And monkey see, monkey do. Then people start doing that. And what that message says is the black man's not good enough for his own woman. And what that's saying is, you know, basically the white man could fuck whatever. Yeah, that's what it's saying. And to all you fucking uh, Japanese, Mexican, Puerto Rican, you know, Indian, whatever the fuck people, wake up to and see that. You know? Not wake up as if there's something to do, but like the same shit. Whenever you see an interracial couple, it's never, it's always the white man. On the woman. And that's the message. The white man's going to fuck their women. And that's the message. I can't always be cute on Black History Month. Sometimes I got to say it like I see it. I got plenty of like, uh, you know, I got plenty of heart in me enough that I don't have to fucking worry about sounding any other fucking way other than what I am. I just say it how it is. Like, take a look at the advertising. Tell me if you don't see that there's a lot of fucking interracial dating, but it's always the same fucking script. White man, ethnic woman. Food for thought. To be continued. To be discussed on a later date. This is a long-ass podcast. I gotta go mop a floor. Uh, it's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtron. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 6th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Our righteous Mike is now in business. Downtown Toronto, Thursdays. Check us out in the future. We got details to come. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send those fucking questions in. Let me know you love me. Till next time, keep fit and have fun. Live it, love it, realize it. Peace.